0: To receive a partial indulgence, you have to recite the prayer or do the act of charity, or in mo- many cases, those of, of us who've been to the Holy Land or to or to Rome, for example. Just being in certain churches, I mean, you know, it can be indulgences can be tied to pilgrimages, etc. I will never forget um, doing the four main basilica indulgence with the, one of the groups that I led to Rome. And there was a group of us huddled up by the door because we'd forgotten to do it when we were there. So we were like going out the door and somebody said, what about the indulgence? So we're like huddled there trying to remember... You know, all the prayers, and we had priests and deacons with us too, and they couldn't remember either. And it's funny, that's one of my my memories early on of trying to, you know, to do it right. Because you you know, in the end, it's something you really have to keep track of, you know. Um, So you have to be in the state of grace, at least by the completion of the prescribed work. And how are they making that happen? Go to confession, right? So it's not just this thing that you do superstitiously, is what I'm trying to say. It's not like this magical formula that you throw up in the, in the face of the Almighty. Here, I did all this. No, it's you are also pursuing your own sanctification, which means you are drawing closer to the Lord. Okay? The rule says at completion of the prescribed work, because sometimes you're given eight days or longer, right, to do that. To, to achieve, because often part of the prescribed work is going to confession, and you might not be in a state of grace while you do that, okay? So the other thing required is having a general intention to gain the indulgence, meaning you can't get, get gain an indulgence without knowing that you're gaining an indulgence. You, you have to want to do it, okay? Now the requirements, that's for a temporary indulgence, okay? Now is everybody clear on that? I, I put a lot of stuff on the handout, too. The requirements for a plenary indulgence are tougher than for a partial, which would, would make sense, wouldn't it? After all, a plenary indulgence removes all the temporal punishment due for the sins committed up to that time. So the plenary indulgence you did 10 years ago, depending on how you've been living since then, may or may, you know, you may need some shoring up. It's necessary to perform the work to which the indulgence is attached, so, you know, do the pilgrimage, do the work, whatever, and fulfill the usual three conditions, sacramental confession, Eucharistic communion, and prayer for the intention of the pontiff. And it is further required that all attachment to sin be absent. Did you all know that? That's the clinker. (laughs) That's the clinker, right? That's the spanner in the works. Okay, so Catechism 1478. An indulgence is obtained through the church who by virtue of the power of binding and loosing, so that's scriptural, granted her by Jesus Christ, intervenes in favor of individual Christians and opens for them the treasury of merits of Christ and the saints to obtain from the Father of mercies the remission of the temporal punishments due for their sins. Thus the church does not want simply to come to the aid of these Christians, but also to spur them to works of devotion, penance, and charity. Is this making sense? Do you find anything objectionable at this point? When a person sins, like I said before, again, I'm going to re-elaborate the same concept I've been been hammering. The liability, you you acquire certain liabilities when you sin. You have a liability of guilt and a liability of punishment. Scripture speaks of the former when it pictures guilt as clinging to our souls. So, remember Psalm 51? Purify me, O Lord, cleanse me, and I shall be as white as snow. And elsewhere it says, my sins are scarlet. So it has that, uh, that there's that picture of sin Clinging to you, changing you, coloring you. And so the whole idea is of cleansing and purging and make me white as snow. Make me white as wool. Which back then in that culture, you couldn't get any whiter than than wool. They didn't have bleach. You know. All right. Or or washing machines. Isaiah 118. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. So it's the idea of guilt clinging to our souls. And the picture of forgiveness as cleansing or washing us. And the state of our forgiven souls as being clean and white. Okay? So we incur not just the guilt, which of course is what Jesus takes care of on the cross. But the liability, the temporal consequences when we sin. Alright? So judgment pertains even to the smallest sins. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. That's Ecclesiastes 12:14. Now, we know that we can do this for ourselves, but the Lord helps us to also be able to transfer these 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 virtues, these these treasures to others. Cuz you know, you might be with me up to a certain point, but you might say, "Well, how do I make this apply to other people?" Well, I mean, we know that the Lord allows that because what happens in Matthew 9:18, for example, the paralytic guy is lowered through the roof in front of Jesus because they can't get to him any other way. And he's lowered by who? His friends. His friends. And what does Jesus say? He says, I forgive you your sins because of the faith of your friends. Doesn't he say that? So don't we all need good friends? <laughs> right? That's what we're meant to live in a body, guys. We're not meant to be living as the Lone Ranger. We're meant to be living together in a community. Okay. Paul tells us that as regards election, the Jews are beloved for the sake of their forefathers. Again, the prayers of a group applying to the next group, and that's Romans eleven twenty eight. When God blesses one person as a reward to someone else, sometimes the specific blessings he gives is a reduction of the temporal penalties. It might be conversion, it might be a reduction in purgatory, it might be, you know, healing, it might be a miracle, it might be an opening up of a mind, it might be many things that we can intercede for, right? Remember that even in Genesis, we have an example of God being willing to at least defer the destruction of Sodom because of the prayers of what? Remember Abraham haggling? You ever been to a bazaar? And that's exactly what Abraham does with God. Hey, what about a hundred? Well, what about 80? Well, what about 75? Well, okay. And then finally 10 and he can't even find 10. But we have that example, though, of the prayer of a righteous man availing other people who don't deserve it. Who don't deserve it. So the church can forgive temporal punishment through God's grace. God uses the church when he removes temporal penalties. And this is the essence of the doctrine of indulgences. The members of the church became aware of this principle through the sacrament of penance, of course. There was always a need for restitution and for compensation. Catechism 1471. The doctrine and practices of indulgence in the church are closely linked to the effects of the sacrament of penance. In the early church, penances were sometimes severe. Who has read uh, the acts of early, like for example, um, um, Cyril of Jerusalem, describes sinners waiting at the door of the church, dressed in sackcloth and ashes, not being able to enter for months on end because they'd done something bad. And so w- there were some pretty severe penances and penalties, especially in the early days of the church. Those guys were not fooling around. There wasn't anything like living in mortal sin and then going to communion. That, that, that was not even, could have never been, been envisioned. You know, the guy standing at the door in sackcloth and ashes wasn't saying things like, well, my conscience told me that I could do it and I'm fine, so you all let me in. Which is what people are doing today. So what was going on there? There was an objective standard that was being held up and people were recognizing that standard. Right? So maybe we should have a little more of that. 1471. The doctrine and practices of indulgence in the church are closely linked to the sacraments of penance. In the early churches, penance were sometimes severe. For serious sins such as apostasy, murder, and abortion, the penances could stretch over years. But the church recognized that repentant sinners could shorten their penances by pleasing God through pious or charitable acts that express sorrow and a desire to make up for one's sin. The church also recognized the duration of temporal punishments could be lessened through the involvement of other persons who had pleased God. Scripture tells us that God gave the authority to forgive sins to men. Matthew 9, 8, and to Christ's ministers in particular. Quote from John twenty twenty one: As the Father has sent me, even so I send you. Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. If Christ gave his ministers the ability to forgive the eternal penalty of sin, how much more would they be able to remit the penalties of temporal, the temporal penalties of sin? See what I'm saying? All right. So the Lord will reward the living believers by blessing dead believers who need their help. I suppose that's one way we can put it. So how can we help our faithful departed in in concluding here this whole discourse about purgatory and indulgences? Have you all gotten a a good picture of how the two can interact? Nobody's making you do work indulgences. You don't have to do it. But I say, if it's there, why not use it? Especially once, now that we understand what they're for and how to use them properly and how to understand that past abuses do not negate the present effectiveness of this yet one more arrow that God puts in our quiver, right? How can we help our faithful departed? Catechism 1479. Since the faithful departed now being purified are also members of the same communion of saints, one way we can help them is to obtain indulgences for them so that the temporal punishment due for their sins may be remitted. So there's a suggestion, but I'd say on the whole, let's uh, use our time together today and the resources that you have been given as jumping off points for maybe further research and further reading into these topics. Let's stand up and close with a prayer. Lord, we just ask that you would help us to... um, come to grasp with all this material. We just ask, again, that you would help us to take away the important parts and let go of the surrounding stuff if it's not helpful. We just ask, Lord, that you would help us to continue to grow in love for you and to continue to see you in your mercies and in your love and in your justice. We ask, as always, that you would pour out your Spirit upon us. And we ask you all these things in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.